because he lives. I can face tomorrow because he lives. All sin is gone. Oh, I know who holds my future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Giving honor to God who is my life because without him I would have no life. I would just be merely existing to the angel of this house, Reverend Tracy Venice, I count it a privilege to know you and to call you as a friend. And to my wife, my mother, my mama, my friends, my father-in-law, all of God's children. It is a great honor and privilege and a divine appointment. Not a chance or not an opportunity, but a divine appointment to stand before you and proclaim the word. This is a great day. It's a great day because he lives. Resurrection Sunday. I can smell the food. And so you know what, I, you know, preachers say, I won't be long. I won't be long. <laughs> and if I am, I'm sure my mother will hold up a finger and do like this. But that's good. It's always a privilege and an honor to see my mother and my mama, the people that raised me. <laughs> and I look out and see smiling faces. Journey with me to Luke 24. Uh oh, y'all gonna stand? It's gonna be long. <laughs> I got some scriptures for you. Just we're gonna go to two passages of scriptures in Luke. And once once I get finished, you'll see why. Starting at the first verse. Now, if I, if I just go a little bit fast, please slow me down. <laughs> now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulcher, bringing the spices, which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much complex. Thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Rise again. Yes. And they remembered his words. Yes. Go to verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs, which means it's about seven miles. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass 
that while they commune together and reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communication are these that ye say one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleophas, answering said unto them, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and have not known the things which have come to pass here, there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which would have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whether they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass that he sat with meat with them. He took bread and blessed it and break and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sights. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened up the scriptures? And they rose up that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and have appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how it was known of them in the breaking of bread. You may be seated. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, O oh Lord, I thank you. I thank you, O oh Lord, that you are a God who knows all things. I thank you, O oh Lord, that you know the end from the beginning. And I thank you for this opportunity, this divine appointment, O oh Lord, to stand here and boldly proclaim your word. So, Lord, I move myself out of your way. Use me like you never used me before, O oh Lord. Use me as a wild man, O oh Lord. Use me under control of the Holy Spirit, O oh Lord, that I may boldly proclaim your word, O oh Lord, and and just to say what you say, stand up, speak up, and shut up. And I forever be so careful to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. This is a lot of text. But it is a remarkable text. 
because this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. This is a day that Christians should rejoice in. This is better than Christmas. Because this is a day that if Jesus was still dead in the grave, we shouldn't even be here. There would be no reason for us to go around and proclaim the name of the Lord if he was still dead. But you know, even in this day, people are ashamed. People are terrified. People don't know the word of the Lord. But we have this treasure hidden in earthen vessels. And so as we journey today, we're going to go back and see what led up to this time of Jesus rising. And then we're going to go forth and look at the disciples, what they were doing. The two that was on the Emmaus Road. Because we've always been on the Emmaus Road. We just don't know sometimes that we're on that road. But if you look back over your life, you'll find out that you've been on that road too. And so we, I, what we attempt to do is try to give you some kind of something to hold on to, something to grasp, something so that you can say, I've been on that road, and this is how I'm going to turn my life around. You know, when Jesus rose, people came to the tomb. The women came first, so they were like the first evangelists. They were the first evangelists to run and go tell it. If you need a subject today, it's like, what's going to burn in your heart to make you run and tell that? In the upper room, when Jesus was to have the Passover with his disciples, he had gathered a couple of them, told them, hey, go, to the, go and tell that we're going to come and celebrate the Passover. And he gave them instructions, you'll find somebody with some water, and he's going to tell them that he needs to use the upper room. And so when he got to the upper room, and he was telling them the truth, like, hey, I'm going to be betrayed. And people were saying, you know, they were sitting around wondering, is it I? Is it I? And then they got to be selfish and said, am I? Can I, who's going to be the greatest among you? And he explained to them that the greatest among them will sit at the table, but the greatest one serves. Nobody wants to serve anymore. A lot of people want to be great, but they don't want to serve. But he who wants to be greatest among you, be the servant. So that was one thing that he had going on. And you know, like, he was sitting down, you know, like they sit around at the table. So when you get around at the table today and you sit around, just remember how Jesus sat around the table. They reclined. They sat back and they were leaning down and, you know, they were having a good time. Every time he was sitting with them and they were eating, that they had, it was like fellowship. So when you have fellowship with your family today, remember what was going on in the upper room. How Jesus, he took bread, he blessed it. He said a blessing. He broke it and he gave it to him. That was the way that he always did things, that when they sat down and ate, that he would sit up and he would give thanks. So they had that going on. And then, then they had uh, the chief priests and the, and, the, and the elders, they had conspired to get with somebody, somebody that was in that inner circle of Jesus 
one of those 12, and they got with Judas. Judas, Satan entered into his heart. We got to make sure that our heart, we got to guard our heart and make sure that Satan doesn't come into our heart. Because for the grace of God, it could be I. For the grace of God, it could be you. And I'm sure sometime in our life, we have all betrayed the Lord. No matter, no matter what we have done, we have all betrayed the Lord at some time. You know, Christians aren't perfect. They're just forgiven. So that's one thing we have to remember, that we're forgiven. So um, betray, you know, he, he was sitting up there and Judas said, you know, is it me? He dipped his hand in, in with the Lord and he said, whatever you do, do it quickly. So, you know, so he had that. So, and then Jesus, after he got finished with that, they went out to pray. And I always think that John 17 was one of those prayers that he did, said that, you know, he was really heavy. He had the weight of the world on his shoulders because he was about to do something that he never knew of, and that would be separated from, the, from God. Never knew that. Everything he did that he knew that the Lord was always with him, that he was a, you know, the guy said that he was a prophet, mighty in word and deed. But he, you know, he even asked his disciples to pray with him. That's why we can't take prayer lightly. When somebody says, pray for me, don't just say, okay, and don't do it. Pray it right then. You know, go, can you go to somebody, can you go on somebody's behalf for them? They may not be strong enough to be prayed for, but you can pray for it. I know that one time when I was in the Navy and I was feeling myself and I was lost, I had a couple people praying for me, my mother and my mama. I was at the point where I was going to kill myself. I was doing drugs. I was freaking out. I was reading Revelation. I was trying to have the religious experience. But the Lord knew my heart because, you know, I was called to be a preacher when I was a kid. But things happened in my life that I like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be around those people. I don't want to be around church people because church people can hurt folks. I just let that marinate. <laughs> but I had... I had my people praying for me. And, you know, I, until you get strong, some people are not strong. But if you are strong in prayer, you could carry them until they could get up and walk on their own. And we need people to be praying for us. We need churches to be praying for each other. We need to have the prayer meetings full. We need to have the man of God and the woman of God pray for. Because a lot of things are coming at that way. We, if you need prayer, don't be ashamed. Ask somebody. We need to have prayer partners. People that we can talk to and bounce things off of. It's like rivers going back and forth. Like we speak in the word. You say, how you doing? I say, good. You say, it's the Lord's done to you. You said, the Lord has been good to me. And you say, the Lord's been good to me, and that's like a river. You know, we got, we, we got something in common that the Lord has been good to us. That's a starting block. But yet and still, 
So he had that going on. And then he had Pilate and Hanrod after they, they got him and said, look, we want him crucified. Like the week before, they were sitting up there saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, and waving palms. And last week, I was teaching the kids uh, about Palm Sunday, and we had a real donkey at church. And I took some pictures of him waving palms and dropping the palms. As we had someone dressed up as Jesus. They wasn't riding the donkey. He was walking on the donkey. But we had about three donkeys there, and they were just walking. They were just saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And I said, now, remember, during that week, they're going to be saying crucifying. So you got to watch sometimes when people start hollering, Hosanna, Hosanna. The next time they're saying crucify you. See how situations can change? That was just within 168 hours that they had a shift of things changing. Not only that, but then Herod and Pilate, they were like enemies. But because of the Passover coming around, they sat up. And they were friends with each other. They sat up and they were, they were friends. And they sat up and had an agreement with each other about, about this Jesus. You know, Jesus was like popular back then. And so they, they said, hey, I don't want to crucify him. He's like, I, I find no fault in him. They both said, I find no fault in him. But the people, yeah, they're crucifying. And so they said, well, who, we gotta, they got to release somebody for the feast of the, uh, of, the, of the Passover, release somebody. So they said, give us Barabbas. This is just a little history lesson leading up to, to why Jesus went on it. And so he, he had, the, so they said, give us Barabbas. So they said, crucify Jesus. So Jesus went to the cross with a thorn, with uh, uh, nails on him, a thorn, a crown of thorns. And then the description I was reading, it says, King of the Jews. And, and, and all of them had an inscription, King of the Jews, that Pilate put out. So he was nailed between two thieves. And the people was like, huh, can he save himself? This is supposed to be the King of the Jews, the Messiah, the one that was supposed to deliver Israel, the one who was supposed to, 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 to deliver them from the Roman Empire. And they were looking for a king, and he was supposed to be the king. So he had all of this going on, and when he, he was on the cross, they were saying, come down and save yourself. And then one thief was sitting up there talking about, hey, if you be the Christ, save us and save yourself. But the other one knew, the other one knew that this man did no wrong. He told him, he said, look, because of what we did, we were up here. But this man did no wrong, so he said, remember me. Put me back together. Remember me. When you come into your kingdom, remember me. Put me back together. And so after they, you know, when they were up on the cross and the, the, uh, the, uh, the two thieves, they were, they were not dead, but Jesus was dead. So they didn't have to break his bones, but they broke the bones of the thieves. But they pierced it like you sing in the day. They pierced him in the side. And water and blood came out. And they were saying, truly, this was the son of God. This man did no wrong. And so they asked for his grave. Uh, Joseph asked for his grave. And they went and put him in a, a new tomb because he wasn't going to stay there long. And, you know, they even conspired to say, hey, put a guard over there. 
because, you know, if they come out and steal him, his disciples said he was going to rise. He said that he was going to rise again, so his disciples would come out and steal him. So if we don't do that and they steal him, it's going to be worse than what they said before. So they put a guard over the, over the tomb. And so that third day, that early Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, the reason why we're here today is that he got up with all power in his hands. So at this time, this is the part where I say, he got up. He got up. Okay, so if you think that I got a hoop, I just did it. So. And they came running to the tomb. And you know, they even paid the people. They even paid the, the soldiers off. They paid them off and said, hey, we give you some money. A bribe. So you just say that they came and stole them. So they, and so to, even today, the word says they still, they still believe that the disciples came and stole him. How stupid is that? But, you know, when people, you, people be willing to believe a lie more than they would the truth. But Jesus got up. So if Jesus got up and the people came, they came to the tomb to see him and he wasn't there, they should have been celebrating. But you know what was, what was going on there? Let's take this road to Emmaus. Two disciples walking away. Why were they walking? They were so downtrodden. They, were, they had disillusionment. They were discouraged. Yes, they had despair. Yes, they were doubting. Yes, they were disappointed. Yes, they were defeated. Yes, they were depressed. Yes, and they were even dead. Come on, Amen. All of this, all of this going back, they're going back to Emmaus. Seven miles. Seven miles going back to where? Where you've been before. How many of you have tried after you've been failed in some way, go back to doing what you did before? So what happens? Our Lord comes up to him and said, hey, what's going on? How y'all doing? And he asked him, he said, are you a stranger in here? And not know everything that's going on? How does Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was mighty in word and deed, we believed in him. We believed in him. We believed that he was going to be the deliverer. We believed that he was the Messiah. And look what happened. They killed him. They killed him. Now, and they said today, they told him everything that was on their heart. Have you ever bared your heart to somebody about how you really feel? How you really feel and how you really, really feel down and how you can't go anywhere and how you're going back to nowhere. And then you start walking. And they went together to Emmaus. That road 
We've all been on that road before. Let me tell you about that road, Emmaus. I did write some things down. <laughs> on that road to Emmaus, it's the road less traveled. It's different from an avenue, a boulevard, a court, or a way. On that road to Emmaus, it could have been some birds. I grew up in Eastwood. Y'all know where Eastwood used to be at? I thought I was going to, when I grew up, I thought I was going to be famous and come and make it a shrine. <laughs> they tore it down. <laughs> <laughs> but back then, I-71 wasn't a road. It was just a road. It was a road that it wasn't built. So I would journey up there with my friends, and we would get on our bikes, and we would ride through all the construction. And I was thinking, like, man, what kind of a road was Emmaus? It was filled with a whole bunch of stuff, obstacles and stuff. But, and then I, I thought back, well, what was a, a hard road that I, tra- I had to travel a lot? I remember when I used to go up to Kennedy Heights. I used to travel up uh, Red Bank Hill. And that was a hard road. And I would look, you know, I'd look over into the park because we used to slide, uh, slide down on our sleds. But there's trees now, so it changes. Can't slide down there anymore like that, like I used to do when I was a kid. But it's just, it's just amazing. In about 30-something, maybe almost 40 years, uh, about almost 35 to 40 years, <laughs> there's a lot of growth up there, and a lot of things have changed. But one thing, I still look at that and say, man, that's, that's a hard hill to go through. Some of us have hills like that that we have to climb. But even on that road, you know, uh, the wind and blow. What I did the other day, I said, Lord, show me a road like Emmaus. Because I really wanted to feel what those disciples were feeling. I wanted, like, in the, when, I, I, when I read the scriptures, I kind of imagine and have the page, I mean, have the scriptures just jump off and leap to me where I could put myself in there. So I really wanted to feel what those Emmaus disciples were feeling. Notice it was two of them. One spoke up. The other one didn't say a word. Some people say it was uh, Cleophas' wife, Mary, and some people say it was Luke himself. But I ask you today, put yourself as that other disciple. Put yourself in that position of being that other disciple and how somebody is speaking for you because you're not talking, but you're feeling everything. And I want you to go down that Emmaus Road with me and let's just see what they were feeling. You know, on a road, I went to the park. I went to a park behind uh, in Woodlawn and um, behind McDonald's and, and Kroger's. It's called Glen, Glen uh, Wood Gardens. And, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to just go up here and I'm going to walk this road. You know, seven miles, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> but I just went there and I said, Lord, just, just speak to me while I'm walking on this road. And I started walking and I noticed on the road they had like 0.01 miles. And then it did 0.02 and it, it, it was a little loop and it was about a mile. And I, as I was walking down that road, I was like, Lord, what kind of road was that Emmaus Road? It wasn't paved out like, like this little park is. It's a nice little bunny trail and stuff. and You can just go and walk and just be peaceful. But on that mile, 
I, I walked it for a mile. It took me an hour. It took me an hour to walk that road. And, and walking the road, I sat down and I just listened and said, Lord, speak to me. And I sat on a bench and I said, there was some, on the bench that I was sitting on, there was some rocks. And I'm like, oh, they probably, on that road to Emmaus, they probably had some rocky road. You know, it wasn't just like it was paid out, but it was a rocky road. And it, it wasn't just like a straight narrow road. It probably had some hills and some valleys. And it wasn't as wide as this. I mean, it, it wasn't as wide and paid out. It probably had some, like I saw there, it had some uh, dog done. Y'all understand that, right? Okay. So if there was donkeys and horses on that road, it probably had some kind of uh, a waste on there for, for them. It probably had some uh, uh, dead animals. Probably had, probably had a lot of stuff on there. But I saw that the wind, you know, I sat down and the wind was blowing. I saw, you know, when I sat down and, and got by myself, I saw it was quiet. There was trees. There were bushes. There was grass. There was concrete. It was a path. It was the changing of the seasons. While they were walking this road, it was a changing of the seasons in their life. You ever walk some roads where it's like the changing of the seasons of your life? And then the sun was out. It was like 12 o'clock and the sun was out. It was beaming off my head. And, you know, like I, I guess I was shining too and stuff. And, you know, there was a radiance and all the, oh, the anointing is upon me and I can hear a lot of stuff. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> but there was also shadows. There's also some shadows. And, and as I was walking, I was mostly walking with my head down. But, I, you know, one thing I didn't do, I didn't look back. But I was just walking. And I was just saying, those disciples were walking on the Emmaus Road. Where were they going to? They were going back to Emmaus because it was comfortable for them. It was home. And imagine that they're, they're being scared. They were scared because... Jesus has gotten killed, and if they killed Jesus and they were followers, what would they have done to them? But it says their eyes was holding. It means they were restrained. They were kept from knowing who he was. But they were still walking, and they asked him, are you a stranger and don't know what's going on? And he told them, oh, fools and slow of heart, to believe all the scriptures that, that they said that how Jesus was had to suffer before he entered into his glory. Nobody wants to suffer anymore. All we want is glory. When we sing a song, we don't want to say, hey, I had to walk that song. All they want to hear is that you did a good job. When I preached, you know, it used to be like I would worry about, did somebody say I did good? No, but now I worry about how do I get to that sermon that I can make that sermon real to me where I can live that sermon so I can give it out to people so that God can be glorified. Because it all ain't about me. It ain't about us. It's about you got to live the life that you preach about. And sometimes that comes with a cost. It's the road less traveled. The presence of the Lord can be in any place that you are. You know, they were walking two by two, 
And he says, where two or three are gathered in his name, I'm there in the midst. When you least expect it, God can show up. See, they had two people going together in, in a way, but they were going away from the power source. The power source was being with other Christians. The power source is being in church. You know, when you're going through problems, you don't need to not the quick coming to church. You need to be with the church is, and not only just in the building, but get together with saints because it says with two or three are gathered in his name, he'll be there in the midst. As I was walking that path, after a while, I had some aches. <laughs> I had some pain. And I got a little hungry. I had to stop and I had to rest. Why? Because I was tired. Not because I tire out quick, but because I was like, let me feel some of the, some of the things that was going on with them. But they should have known Jesus. They should have known him by his character. What he said. Oh, fools are slow or hard to believe all the scriptures have said. By what he said, he began to open up all the scriptures, starting at Moses. So he probably started at Genesis 3.15. He's going to bruise his heel, but he was going to bruise his head. Jesus was going to knock out the devil. Well, he could have been talking about uh, Psalm 22, when Jesus was sitting up there saying, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? The dogs, they gnash and thrash at me. But, you know, he sat there and he opened up. Or he could have been talking Isaiah 53, where he sat up there and said, well, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. He opened up all the scriptures concerning himself, but they still didn't recognize him. Still didn't recognize him. What's it going to take for you to recognize Jesus? Do you have to go through a lot? Do you have to get like Michael Vick and sit there and say, I found the Lord? And when he did say that, a lot of people, hmm, he only found the Lord because he got in trouble. Well, don't most people find the Lord when they get in trouble? Is that not a good time to find the Lord when you are in trouble? How did you find the Lord? Oh, I forgot it. You've been good all your life. <laughs> yeah, but you see, I was taught about the Lord, but I found the Lord when I got in trouble. <laughs> and he still is a good God. And for you who haven't been in trouble, good. Good, good, good that you found the Lord and you've been good all your life. <laughs> Wasn't like that with me. <laughs> oh, boy, that was funny. <laughs> But they were looking. They should have known him by what he was saying. They should have known him by his countenance. But their eyes was holding because they couldn't see him because probably the last thing they saw about him is that he was up on the cross. And he probably didn't look upon that. See, Jesus said, you know, he said, my God, my God, why has that forsaken me? But Jesus wasn't, I mean, the Lord wasn't, God wasn't looking upon Jesus as his son then. He was looking upon him as the sin of the world. And, you know, they probably they didn't crucify him like this. It would have been okay probably if they had crucified him. But the pain that he felt 
when they crossed him over and they threw him back like that. You know, when they did that, it put the pressure on. It put the pressure on all his extreme, everything on the, on the, on the, uh, uh, under his arm and stuff, and the pressure of, of being like this when he was crucified. So they didn't see him on that. And so they said, the character, the content, and the conversation, that's how they should have known him. But they knew him at a noontime meal. You know what? When they were, he sat there and he broke open the scriptures all to him. And they started at about noonday all the way to the evening. Seven miles. Like I said, I, I, I walked that one mile and it took me about an hour. So I said, hmm, when you're walking down and you're just going down, you ain't walking real fast. When you're downtrodden, you know, you, you're just walking with your head down. And, you know, they walk in two by two, but what happens to the person who walks by themselves? What happens to the person that has no one to bump up against? No one to sit there and tell them, like, hey, it's going to be all right. God can move in any situation. But when you walk in, it's not like I'm walking upright. I'm down. Man, what am I going to do now? They didn't kill Jesus. Am I next? Well, I just go back to what I used to do. That seemed convenient. At least I know that. That's what, that's what Peter did. He went back to fishing, didn't catch anything. But, you know, like, so when you go back to some things, you, you're really not productive. You want to be productive. But they were going back to some things. And when they got to where they were going in Emmaus, Jesus would have kept going. And they stopped him. And they said, come on in and dine with us. The evening is far spent. And, you know, we're about to eat. So imagine, you know, and Jesus being the gentleman that he was, just he didn't invite himself into their house. You know, that's why when people come into your house, you got to be careful how you treat them. When people come into this house, be careful how you treat them. Because this is the house of the Lord. And you don't know what it took for somebody to get to this point. You don't know what it took for somebody to get to that door. You may say a lot of people come into the house of the Lord and they need something, but that's what, it, that's what Jesus is. It's a hospital. God will provide. So some people need their rent paid. Be wise. <laughs> because you don't know what it took for them to get to that point to ask for that. And we got to have the mercy of God. You know, surely what we do, we want justice for everybody else, but when it's us, we want mercy and grace. We want the Lord to just move on us, but, but we, we'll look down on people. You know, but this is a day that the Lord hath made we will rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. This is the reason why we're here, so that we can get fueled up so we can go and help others. We need to help people. We need to help, you know, like, I wanted to go to the meeting that they had about the boy, uh, uh, about the people killing, I mean, shooting each other in Avondale, but I couldn't get off and work for it. But you know what? They think they have the answer, but they don't have the answer. You know, we sitting with the answer in here. We got the answer. Christ is the answer. We just got to strategize to get them to accept Christ. 
You know, it ain't all about drugs. Some of it is about love affairs. Some of it is about people that just have no hope. And we have the only hope that we got to give it to them. Not just here, not just in Madisonville, not just in Avondale, but worldwide. We got the only message that's going to stop people from killing themselves. We got the only message, but yet and still we depend on the preachers to do it. We depend on the deacons to do it. Don't you know that if you are where you are, you can work your measure wherever you are. If you're on your job, you don't have to go around saying I'm a Christian. Just pray for folks. Some of the best people are the people that get behind enemy lines. You got to be strategic. You don't have to go up there and tell everybody you're a Christian because if you do something that doesn't look like a Christian, everybody's going to start talking about you. So what they did, they went in, and Jesus took over then. He took over because he knew what to do. He, all, he said, all he wants to do is get in the house. Ask him to come in, and he will suck with you. All he has to do is knee stands and knocks on the door of your heart. All you got to do is open it up, and he'll come in. And he came in, and he took over. He said he took bread. He gave a blessing. He broke it. And he gave it to him. And poof, their eyes was open. Their eyes was open and said, did not our heart burn? As he talked to us and he expounded upon the scriptures on the way. Did not our heart burn? See, it's not just, they had a head knowledge of who Jesus was. And we have head knowledge of who Jesus is, but Jesus wants to get our heart. If he get our heart, he can take that heart, that stony heart and make it a pliable heart. He can make it so he can be used. Won't you let him use you? Won't you let him use you? They said that, you know, they knew him by the order of breaking bread. The order of breaking bread, that he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to him. Don't you know every time the Lord wants to use you, he got to do the same thing to you? He's got to take you from where you are. He's got to bless you. He's got to break you before he can give you to somebody else. You want to put it in the scripture? Take Moses. He took Moses. He blessed him by putting him in Pharaoh's house. He broke him on the backside of the desert before he could give him to Israel to deliver him. You want somebody else? He took Paul. He, he took Paul from where he was, knocked him up off that horse, taught him on the blessing by teaching him for three years before he, he blessed him, broke him, and then he gave him to us. So we have the New Testament, a lot of the New Testament. Look at Jesus. He took Jesus. He blessed him. He put him in a house. He had a, he had a house prepared for him. He put him in a house, got him here, and then he broke him on, on, on the cross. But early one Sunday morning, he got up, he got up with all power in his hand. And that's the way, that's the reason why we're here today. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all hope is gone, all hope is here. Because I know who holds my future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Our God is reigning. Our God reigns supreme. We serve a mighty God. 
all of this that they went back running back. They went running back to say, look, not only do we have hope now, we took that despair and placed it with, with hope. We no longer dead. We got life in us. We're no longer disappointed, but we're satisfied. We're lo no longer depressed. We have happiness. We're no longer discouraged. We are encouraged. We're no longer defeated, but we got victory. And we no longer have disillusionment, but we got gratification. I got reigns. I got reigns. I got rain. I, I got rain. You know, he can take you from where you are every time he wants to take you. And when he wants to take you to a higher and deeper level in him, just like a tight rider, he rolls you back and starts the process all over. So when you're going through trouble, don't worry about that because you got somebody going through the trouble with you. You got someone who knows, who knows every situation you've been through. We got to keep in God. Our God will keep you. When you don't want to be kept. <laughs> he will keep you when you don't want to be kept. Because some people go around just doing things because they don't know what to do. They go around hurting people because they hurt themselves. Hurting people hurt people. But this is a hospital. This is where you can find some help. Our God reigns. And he reigns supreme. Thank you.